Tonight, we're going to be uh, doing a message talking about walking in joy and peace of mind. So uh, just, just out of curiosity, anybody got that all figured out already? You just, just every day, perfect joy. And uh, okay, so, so it's a good topic for us to visit, right? It's, it's part of the battle to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, I want to begin 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, uh, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. And, and this is a picture of uh, a prayer not only for, for physical and spiritual well-being, but for j- just, you know, every aspect, mental, emotional. Uh, the Word of God does let us know we, there's a spirit dynamic to us. That's the part that gets born again. That's the eternal part of us. And then there's the soul. That's our mind, our intellect, our emotions. Uh, and then there's, of course, our physical body. And just for kind of discerning and understanding, we can talk about those three components, uh, but they're all all um, woven together, and they all certainly affect each other. So uh, tonight, I want to be talking about uh, our, our mind, peace of mind, and really uh, a, a prescription from the Word of God on how we can walk in joy, how we can live in a place of joy. So how do we stay mentally and emotionally healthy? Uh, I mean, certainly through this last uh, run of months that we've had with COVID and lockdowns and things like that, uh, there has been uh, just through the roof inside the body of Christ, unfortunately, and outside the body of Christ, unfortunately, uh, the toll that's been taken on folks on their their mental well-being, their emotional well-being. Uh, and as there's difficulties and challenges uh, in the world around us, uh, it can be hard for folks to cope. It tells us in the Word, in, in the last days, there will be perilous times. Uh, and, and that is, you know, times that are hard to deal with and hard to bear. That's talking in the natural. That's not God saying to God's people that they'll be limping through. He's saying in the natural, there'll be diff- difficult times, but, but we, can, we can live in a different way to where we can have soundness mentally and soundness emotionally. You know, we understand it on the, the physical side of things, right? Uh, oftentimes, that's, that's a little bit clearer. You know, we understand physically, if we want to be healthy physically, well, there's certain things we have to eat, certain things we stay away from. From, uh, exercise, plenty of rest, and then of, cor- of course of avoiding the things that are, are poisonous to our bodies like drugs and tobacco and things like that, uh, and then staying away from excess. You know, uh, there's a commercial for Doritos and they say something about like you can't just have one, you know, and uh, man, I, I personally agree with them. It's really hard, really difficult to have just one, but you might say, well, Doritos are gross, but there's something where, where you'd say, man, if uh, allowed to myself, I would have way more than I should actually have, you know? So we recognize that excess is, is not a good thing either. And so in, in the physical realm, you know, it's just something that I think oftentimes is, is a lot clearer. Maybe it's talked about more. Um, but God wants us to have strong, toned, mental muscles. Uh, and if we do, we'll be more fit spiritually, more fit emotionally, more fit relationally, and even it, it'll work over into the, the physical side of life as well. Can you say amen? We don't talk oftentimes about that, you know, but we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we are to be very purposeful with our mind and, and where we allow it to go and what we allow our minds to focus on. You know, talking for a moment on the power of the mind here, research uh, tells us that the average person thinks approximately 50,000 uh, uh, thoughts per day. 
50,000 thoughts per day. Now, how many in the room would say, I don't know if I thought 50,000 thoughts yet today. I'm maybe a little slower than average. Anybody? Uh, okay, all right. Notice, notice it's mostly fellas raising their hands. I'm just saying. Uh, how many ladies or other folks in the room? It doesn't have to be a gender thing per se, but how many folks you just, you think a lot and you're saying, 50,000, I was there after breakfast. All right, so again, it's, you know, multiplied for us. Uh, so, so just to think about that, how important it is for us to take some time and look at uh, what do we do with all that thinking? And what do we do with all those thoughts? And how do we process all of that? Do you know, neuroscientists, they say every thought sends electrical and chemical signals throughout our brain, ultimately affecting each cell in our body. That's, that's powerful, right, when we really get to thinking about that. Uh, our, our thoughts influence our sleep, digestion, our pulse, chemical makeup of our blood, and, and a whole bunch of other body functions. So what we think about consistently, here's, here's a really sobering truth, certainly ties and has great implication on our spiritual lives. What we persistently think about will inevitably crystallize into the words we speak and the things we do, right? So we really want to be mindful of all of this. So, so when we talk about being healthy mentally, healthy emotionally, you know, when we're talking about mental health, it includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. And just think about that for a moment because think about how God wants to work in every one of our lives. You know, if, if we're living in a place where our head is getting kicked in, uh, it's going to affect our relationships. It's going to affect us bringing uh, Christ to others around us. It's, it's going to affect our being the best version of ourselves that we could be for other people. So when, when we're talking about being healthy mentally, it is all of these areas here. Um, mental health, it affects how we think and feel and act, and it helps determine how we handle stress, how we relate to others, and, and how we make our choices. So uh, to be mentally healthy uh, speaks to the, this, this idea of walking in joy, being able to find and walk in joy, uh, contentment, peace of mind, confidence, all of these things relate into this idea of, of having, you know, mental wellness. And, you know, when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood and when he broke his body, uh, his body was broken for us. That was for us spiritually, that was for us solically, and that was for us physically, right? So we're going to be leaning into that and understanding Jesus purchased uh, for us the ability to have joy that's not based on the stressors that are in the world or the way other people are behaving. We can have a joy that's actually outside of those things. Now, now there's a, a few key areas, again, that, you know, science, medical science and things will tell us about uh, walking in a place of being healthy mentally. Uh, so self-image and sense of well-being uh, is, is something that God wants us to renew our mind on what the Word of God says about those areas. Can you say amen to that? You know, now, now don't hear me saying we're, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing like Dr. Phil stuff up here. Amen. We're, we're doing the word of God. I'm not doing, um, you know, hey, just feel good about you. And that's all that matters. And, and, you know, let's put self on the throne. I'm not saying those things, but you know, the word of God, isn't it interesting that it says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
You know, so the, the Bible doesn't say love yourself first, but the Bible also says you're not to hate yourself. You know, you're not to have self-loathing. You're not to, to be walking in guilt and condemnation. Jesus came to free us from those things. So, so those things could be broken off of our lives and so that we could rejoice in the fact that he loves us without condition. Then our behavior and our choices come out of extravagant devotion for what he's already done for us. It doesn't come out of trying to perform to please him, right? You know, so a healthy self-image is, man, while I was still a sinner, God loves me. He cares about me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, and again, you know, as human beings in our, our solical nature, our carnal nature, we could start leaning into, I am pretty wonderful. Like, let's just camp out on this and think about this. You know, God doesn't want us to get, get it to that point, right? But he, he wants it to be where we have a sense of, you know, glory to God. Pastor Ralph was talking about uh, on Sunday morning, you know, if... You know, somebody's living as a pauper, you know, and, and uh, you, you know, somebody comes that's wealthy, uh, you know, a royalty comes and adopts that person. Man, I, I get all the benefit of being in their family. And that's the picture. That's why it's so important for us to make sure our identity is in Christ. And that's a battle all through our lives because we want to have our identity in a bunch of different things uh, that are very tangible here and now. But we always have to keep it where, first and foremost, our sense of image, our sense of well-being uh, all comes out of how God feels about us and who we are in him. By the way, too, that, that'll completely affect and transform the way culture looks at just the sanctity of human life in general. Right? When we realize that every person is fearfully and wonderfully made, then, then all of the, the demonic garbage that's going on in the world, um, you, you know, to uh, whether it's abortion or um, assisted suicide or any of these other things that are going on in the world, that, that all stands in the face of this truth that we're made in the image of God and that Jesus died for each of us individually um, and, and that we have great worth uh, to a God that loves us so much. So, uh, you know, when we look at a life of joy, it's freedom from inward pain, inward fear, and inward discouragement. Think about it. When those things get broken off of our lives, what, what, what winds up flooding out in that place? It's joy. You know, it's the joy of what God has done for us. So what is joy? Um, the emotion evoked by well-being. Uh, or by good fortune, or the, the prospect of uh, having what you desire. So again, that's a bit of a dictionary definition, but man, we put that in the context of, man, we start thinking about we're heaven bound. You know, that we're loved by God, that he really is never going to leave us or forsake us. That'll start causing joy to bubble up in our hearts, you know. That'll cause us to say, wow, you know, what, what, how good do we really have it with him in his promises? So the word of God does address for us very clearly how to walk in joy, how to live in a place where we keep uh, mentally and emotionally well. And I, and I want to work out of Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 through 9. And again, Philippians 4, 8 is, is probably a verse that's very familiar to us. But let's start in verse 4. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are, in, that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Amen. Let's just let that sink in. The command is to, to, to be joyful, 
right? It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't say, if you can, it says, be joyful. And then don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Give it to God. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. So there it is, right? His peace will guard. People will look and say, why are you not freaked out by everything that's going on around us? God is guarding my heart and my mind. It is well. It's going to be okay because he's got me, right? Uh, As we live in Christ Jesus, it finishes that verse 7. And then in verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. And here's where where, uh, we talked earlier about developing mental muscles. Here's where we develop the mental muscles. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. So, and, and I, hope, I hope most of us would say, oh yeah, I've heard this verse. I know where we're going to go. But let's, let's soak in each, each word, what, what God is asking us to be fixed on, right? Things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, uh, in, in the Amplified, it says for uh, a portion there, for v- verse 8, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. And it goes on, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So this, this becomes a picture. This is a filter through which we are supposed to run our, our thought life. What stays, what goes, you know, what, what we hold on to, what we kick out, things that are true, things that are honorable. Hey, does anybody beside me say, hey, we got our work cut out for us some days. This is easier than others, right? You know, and, and there is just so much just steeped in our culture that we are going to have to filter through and kick out and put aside and say, nope, let's grab a hold of this. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. Then when we get all the culture stuff out, then we have the, the flesh that we have to deal with, you know, and make sure that we say, shut up flesh. Nope, that's not where I want to think. That's not where I want to live, you know. But how much would it change our lives if we implemented this instruction uh, full time from Philippians 4.8 to think, fix our thoughts on the Lord and to think on these things, to, to implant those things into our thinking. Uh, so, so we realize in, in the context of this is it's something that's going to take some practice and it's going to take some ongoing doing. Uh, it's so easy to be negative. Can we, can we be honest? It's so easy to be negative, isn't it? Ah. Negative thinking corrupts our brains and it actually triggers harmful mental states in us like anxiety, moodiness, depression, irritability. So it's what the enemy wants to get us into. If we can get thinking on negative. And, and, and again, uh, forgive me here as I, I want, want to give some balancing statements as we go through here just so you, you're clear on what I'm saying and, and what I'm not saying. So I'm not saying that we don't deal with things that are negative. I'm not saying we don't come to terms with negative things. I'm not saying that we don't confront things when they need to be confronted. This is talking about in our lifestyle style. And even when there's a negative situation, do we approach it negatively or do we approach it in Christ? 
right? How many have ever heard that some people find a problem in every solution? And some people find a solution in every problem. How about that? That's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Do I approach negatively? And it's, man, it's easy, you know, but negative thinking, it will, you know, trigger harmful. I, I can remember, um, you know, when, when COVID shutdown first happened, I can remember seeing things on Facebook where folks would say, hey, I know somebody on the inside and guess what's about to happen. And, and it wasn't truth. You know, like National Guard taking over New Jersey. You'll never, we all know this one, you'll never see a, a sheet of toilet paper again, right? Think about, isn't this absurd, the amount of anxiety people in America felt over toilet paper, right? You know, and then just the idea of, you know, here's where it starts. You know, you, you, you just, it starts filing in the brain. Next thing you know, somebody's grabbing their keys and running to the store saying, I have to visit every store and clear out, you know, 30 cases of toilet paper. Otherwise, we won't survive, right? And I, I'm being a little facetious here, but isn't it, isn't it amazing what, when we get into a, a negative track, a negative trajectory, how it starts to snowball and these things happen? Moodiness, depression, irritability, anxiety. And hey, let's, let's just call call it out, negative thoughts don't come from God, right? God does have the answer. He's got the solution. Uh, he has the step for us to take. He's got the promise for us. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Again, another translation, self-discipline, soundness of mind. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, hey, we know that we ultimately have the victory, whatever it is. There's another, another verse uh, from Peter, uh, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Kind of covers all the bases there, doesn't he? For life and for godliness, it's all covered. So just with our uh, remaining time that we have here, uh, a couple of truths that we want to glean here regarding God's prescription for us. So let's just kind of break out a little bit on what we saw here in Philippians. So just three truths for us to uh, walk away regarding practicing well-being, emotional, mental health. So number one, right thinking is a choice. It's a choice. You know, we, we can't let ourselves off the hook of, well, I'm just a pessimist, you know, or, or I was just, oh, that's just how I was raised, or, or that's just my personality. We have to say, nope, nonsense to that. Right thinking is a choice. We have to decide what we will allow our brains to focus on. The word says it this way, so whose report will you believe? There's always going to be a report from the devil, our fallen world system, and the flesh, <laughs> and then there'll be a report that comes from God. So are we going to align our thoughts with the world or the word? That's what we ultimately have to, you know, come to terms with. What is true? What is honorable? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What is admirable? What is excellent and worthy of praise? So uh, if it came naturally to always think positively and have good thoughts, there wouldn't have been a reason for Paul to give this strong encouragement that we have in Philippians. So uh, there's always something that we can find to complain about, isn't there? Uh, so we're talking about focusing on the good. We have to choose what thoughts stay and what thoughts leave. And we know, uh, let's just turn on the news you know, and we'll know that there's going to be plenty that they'll give us uh, that to complain about. You know, even the weather, 
You know, it's not, you know, hey, 90% chance of sunshine. It's 10% chance of rain, right? How about, uh, uh, you know, this is something that, that, that parents can slip into. Uh, you know, report cards. You know, our child brings home all A's and B's and one C. And the parent says, hey, tell me about this C. You know, like, oh, oh, missed opportunity. Look at all these A's. Look at all these B's. Look at how hard you work. That's awesome. Right? But, the, you know, focusing on, you know, the thing that, you know, we get trained in our culture to, to act that way, think that way. James 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Again, I know that's a verse, you know, and I know I've referred to that over the last couple of months, but hey, has anybody, uh, anybody gotten any, any motion, any improvement, any traction in that area? When trouble times of any kind come, consider it an opportunity, not just for joy, but for great joy. You know, to just say, oh, glory to God, I am just having the worst day. Hallelujah. Right? That, that is so counterintuitive, right? But yet we're, we're instructed from the word, now consider it an opportunity for great joy. So we, are we going to choose thoughts of joy? Are we going to see it through a lens that God calls us to see it through? Or will we see it through worry, stress, frustration, anger, whatever else it is? It goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So, Lord, we're on our way, and we're trying. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, we have a choice. Respond with joy instead of fear and anguish and frustration. And, and notice, when, when the thoughts come in, when there's the initial thought there, that's not what causes the damage. But it's when we let the thoughts set up shop in our minds. When we let them get implanted and rooted into the ground and then start to bear fruit in our lives, that's, that's when the problem comes, you know? So we've got to realize there's things out there, there's ideas that'll come as suggestions from the world, there's things that'll come from our flesh, there's things that will come from the enemy, you know? But uh, at the end of the day, it's not that the thought ran through, uh, it's that what, what thoughts do we hold on to versus what thoughts do we let go of? Romans uh, 8, 5, and 6 says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. It's powerful, right? It's just, just kind of plain vanilla laid right out there for us. We have a choice, and what we choose to focus and think on is going to bear fruit in our lives. It goes on to say, though, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So it's learning how to yield to the Word of God, yield to the voice of the Spirit, and, and choose to think on the things that God has told us to think on, and choosing to kick out those things that God doesn't want us to think on. So it's a choice, number one. Number two, uh, we have to shift from random reactive thinking, being reactionary in all of our thinking throughout our days, uh, to deliberate, purpose-driven thinking. How are we doing with that? Do, do we think on purpose? Are we disciplined? Have we trained our mind on what to think on? And have we trained our mind what to kick out? No, that's not from God. I'm not even going there, 
right? Just being at the point of, or, and, and as we learn this process, it could be, oh my goodness, man, I camped out on that for three days. That's not from God. Why did I camp out on that? I'm not doing it anymore. I'm getting it out now in Jesus' name. That, that's the process. That's allowing, because God, God's spirit is always going to move us in the direction of get the junk out and let's grab a hold of and, and focus on the things that are, are life-giving. So when we bring our, our thinking uh, you, you know, into conscious, creative control, right? God has given us a sound mind. God has given us the ability to choose. We'll discover an enormous advantage that we have in sculpting how we think. So I would encourage you, if you're in the room today and you're saying, man, I, life has pounded me. I, I don't even know how I, I could begin to, to move into a place of joy, move out of, you know, anxiety, some of these other things that we spoke about, we're getting into it right now. We start to train. We get very deliberate with what we're going to think. And, and, and I love this in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We break down. See, there'll be a breaking down. There'll be a, a going to war of dropping down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. A lot of times the junk, it comes, you know, we realize that's proud thinking. I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've found that. I've, I've looked at what, what's all this coming from, and I've thought, this is my stinking ego. And I just say, Lord, forgive me, and I renounce it. I say no to it in the name of Jesus. Come on, can you say amen? In our households, in our families, in our interactions and dealings with people, not, I just, just push that down. We break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. We take hold of every thought, I love this, and we make it obey Christ. If you can't obey Christ's thought, then get out in Jesus' name. Right, this, this, this noggin, <laughs> this squash, this is God's property, and it's going to think God-glorifying thoughts. In, in the Passion Translation, uh, it, it says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Man, that's good. So if the thought doesn't line up with what we just said in Philippians 4.8, we kick it out. True honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So thinking, talking, and worrying about what we don't want will never bring us what we do want. That, that's, that's a good truth to remember. If we remember that when we start worrying, then that'll make it a lot easier for us to say, what am I doing? This is not going to get me what I want. You know, the, the, I remember, uh, let me give you a for instance where this can sneak in. I remember when I first started preaching, I mean, the very first time I preached, my, my legs were shaking. I was so glad my, uh, it was a youth service and I spoke on the full armor of God. I'll never forget it. And I was glad my pants were baggy enough that they couldn't see that my legs were shaking, you know, but, but I, I was so full of fear, I, I, I have to confess. And, you know, it went okay. And I thought, wow. And, you know, each time then I would speak in a new venue on Sunday night. Now I'm speaking not just to students, but all you scary adults. You know, and, you know, again, you know, I, I would wrestle through all this fear and then God by his grace and mercy would get me through and get me by. And, and you know, I would find then, you know, then, then when I shared on a Sunday morning and all these things, and I started to notice I, I, I actually allowed in my thinking. I remember the day I wasn't nervous and I thought to myself, 
uh-oh, you're not nervous. Think about how ridiculous and upside down that is, amen? Like fear is gone. I've finally gotten to a point now where I've broken through the fear of it. And here I am thinking, oh, but if I'm not fearful, will it still go okay? That's insane. It goes okay because I prepared and prayed and by God's grace, God causes his word to land. And and it's not about whether or not I was terrorized while I was waiting for that to happen. Come on, can you say amen? You you, you might, you know, say, well, man, I can't relate to that. I, I don't preach, I don't speak. But are there areas where you have allowed that kind of insane thinking to be a part of how you operate? You know, like, well, if if I worry a lot and I know then then my kid will be safe. If I if I stress a lot, then I know somehow God's gonna get me through. These are the kinds of things that the enemy would wanna, hey, if he can't get us to just fully walk away, let let us get a little bent in what's going on in our mental, emotional place. And man, when I realized that, I thought, oh, Lord, forgive me. First of all, I wasn't relying on God. I was relying on whether I was at at a point of fear crying out for God, not not God's best for me. So uh, we, we need to realize thinking, talking, and worrying about what we don't want will never bring what we do want. Uh, what we want to do, uh, what we want to give our attention to is what God wants us to focus on. So, hey, uh, it, it's been said this way by psychologists that just the way God has wired our brains, whatever you focus on enlarges. It's like it becomes a spotlight. You know, we've been in a room where the room is dark and then all of a sudden the spotlight comes on, you know, the speaker or whoever is going to sing or something like that. And all of our attention is over there because that's where the spotlight is. And actually, um, I'm going to get into a whole message on this when we talk about vision uh, in just a couple of weeks here. But, you know, the word tells us, interesting, oh, magnify the Lord with me. How do we magnify the Lord? We focus in on him. And as we focus on him, God has built us to where what we focus on is going to wind up enlarging in our thinking. It's just, just going to fill the frame of our mind. Does that make sense? Can you say amen? So, so when we have difficulties, it's not that the difficulties disappear if we change our focus. But we choose to focus on the resolution. We choose to focus on the right thing. Dwelling on the problem doesn't fix it. It makes us an expert on the problem. And we don't want to be an expert on the problem. We want to be an expert on the goodness of God. Winston Churchill, he said, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. This is similar to what I said earlier. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. So again, it's all what we focus on. All right, as we uh, start to slowly come in for a landing here, truth number three, the fruit of our life today is the outcome of what we have already allowed to grow in the garden of our mind. So what we're walking out today is the fruit of what we have been training ourselves in the past. So if you don't like what you see, good news is we can change it. Tear up the garden, plant some fresh new seeds, pull out the weeds, make sure we tend and care for that garden, make sure the right things are continuing to get sown in. And guess what? We're going to start seeing the fruit come out of that. Uh, that's going to be God glorifying. That's going to be bringing peace and wellness and, and uh, stability. Luke 6, verses 43 to 45 illustrate this truth here. 
A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good thoughts from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And interesting, that word heart used in the New Testament 2,588 times. You know, and that's talking about the, the, the thought, feeling, central point uh, oftentimes when it's talking about the heart. So, hey, let's ask ourselves, what are we planting in that garden? You know, uh, for new believers, you know, this is a big, big shift, you know, but for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for a while, this could be just as crucial uh, a thing for us to look at. What have I been sowing in my mind? You know, we're, we're, we're not going to go long haul in joy and long haul in victory if we're not staying intentional with what we're allowing ourselves to think on and dwell on, right? Galatians teaches us what a man sows, he reaps. So every seed is a thought, and we choose to plant it, bury it, allow it to grow, and to produce fruit. Matthew 15, 18 to 19 says, But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In James 1.13 to 16, again, this is in the Passion Translation. When you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and he is never the source of temptation. Instead, it's each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. Evil desires give birth to evil actions. And when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. So my friends, don't be fooled by your own desires. Again, in the message of, of that same, uh, the temptation to give into evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. The baby is sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. I, I love oftentimes looking at some of these paraphrases. So we just kind of get to change up a little bit to try to grasp the depth of, of what the word is trying to tell us here. It literally says that, you know, uh, you know that our sin gives birth and, and eventually, uh, or that, you know, our, our temptations, you know, here it's saying lust um, has a baby and that baby is sin. Sin grows up and brings death. So again, at the end of the day, tying all this in with, and, and it's a choice. What do we focus on? Where do we give our attention to? You know, are we guarding our heart? You know, oftentimes we talk about sin, you know, as, uh, you know, uh, carnal things, you know, but there's, there's uh, sin that comes in uh, as a choice as well that maybe aren't things that, that are experienced in the flesh. And sometimes those things are even more lethal uh, as far as your spiritual direction, where you're headed and where you're going. Uh, the enemy knows how to, uh, you, you know, uh, work in that arena. He's been doing it for many, many years. All right, so as we start to come in for a landing here, how do we train our brain in the four, eight, 
Philippians 4.8 way. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, what, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So, hey, whether there are massive, massive, painful things in our past, or whether it's just simply, I'm not the man or woman of God yet that God has called me to be, and I want to run after it. You know, the good news is here tonight, our future is not defined by our past. Our future is defined by what we sow and what we do today and the, what we get up and what we do tomorrow. You know, in fact, the, you know, the word of God tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have its sufficient stuff, you know, just, just concentrate on today. And we fix our eyes on him today. We sow the right things. We kick out the wrong things. And each day living that way, that's going to be sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. And that'll be growing us in the Lord, growing us in walking in victory, growing us in walking in peace. But I, I don't know, you, you know, Pastor James, you were talking earlier, Lord, forgive us for, you know, being hooked to our, our device, you know, our phone devices and all these things. I heard somebody one time call these weapons of mass distraction, you know. But, I mean, there, there's so many wonderful tools that come out of, you know, the technology and everything that we have. But, you know, more than ever before, we are connected to a fallen, toxic culture that's in the world. And I know that there are good things among it, and we are to be, you know, salt and light out, out you know, we're not to go hide from it. You know, but certainly, uh, man, do we have to really, really follow these truths that we see here. Be very, very intentional on what are we allowing ourselves to think. And, and you know, we've all heard this, right, about the frog in the kettle. You know, the, the, the frog, uh, it's, it's said that if you turn water up to boiling and you take a live frog and you kind of just hold your hands over and drop him, he's going to recognize that that's boiling water and he'll spring right off the top of it to safety, maybe with some sore feet, you know, but he'll live to croak another day. But if you were to take a frog and put it in, in water that's not boiling and just slowly turn up the heat, that frog won't recognize that it's being boiled to death and it will be boiled to death. You know, when we look at, you know, God's church, we are meant to be light in our culture, and so often the culture creeps in and dims the light. You know, and if we're not careful, and I say this just because, you know, if, if we were to go through, I think a great, a great takeaway for all of us to, to go out of this message is to say, all right, so in any given 24-hour day, what I read, what I listen to, what I watch, who I let speak to me, who I speak to, and then when nobody's around, the direction that I allow myself to think, how does that filter against Philippians 4.8? And, and I tell you what, if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to be shocked at what we have allowed ourselves to tolerate. That God would say, you know what, that's got to go. It's got to go if we're going to have a peace that passes understanding. You know, if we're going to be those who, you know, the world is seeing all of this trouble and shaking and we can say, hey, hey, God is good. It's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Can you say amen? So that requires, you know, humility on our part. It, that, that requires a, a great amount of trust in the Lord. You know, but we're looking at it, you know, this evening from a context of God wants us whole. 
God wants us at peace. God wants us so full of joy. So there's darkness in the world, there's ugliness, there's stuff, we'll have to deal with it, but we're to always deal with it in, in, again, in this context. So Lord, what solution do you want to bring here? How do you want to come and redeem this? Uh, and, and also, you know, I, the, the, the word tells us be innocent of evil. You know, and so there's a part of, you know, like what we allow ourselves to get entertainment from. You know, I think that's a part of the picture here too. You know, is just looking at, Lord, we really need to be innocent of evil. You know, I, I, sometimes I'll have people say, yeah, do you know what goes on in, in, in this wickedness? And I'd be like, I, I really don't need to know the detail of that. I don't want to get into knowing. I, I don't want to be having that churning through my mind of how evil does really good at being evil, right? And it says, be excellent at what is good in, in, in one translation and be innocent of evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Amen? So all of this, the context of all of this, you know, is, you know, unfortunately, when the church gets legalistic, they start looking at all of these, you know, you can't this, you can't that, you're not allowed to watch this, you're not allowed to do that. You know, a Philippians 4.8 filter is, is, a, is a healthy biblical way to look. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about what's healthy and unhealthy in your staying connected with the Lord and, and staying under his covering and having his anointing in your life, right? That, that's a much different picture than, well, just because, right? And, and God is so good that he gives us more than just because. He gives us, no, there, this is going to be ultimately harmful to us uh, as we let, you, you know. So I'm, I'm trying to hit this from a bunch of different angles. I think, I think it, uh, you, you know, kind of, I think I kind of covered everything I wanted to cover on this. So uh, why don't we, we have a little bit of extra time here. Could we just give a couple of moments? I like, uh, one thing I like about Wednesday nights is uh, there's just something uh, that's different about it than the pace of Sunday morning um, that we can have a chance to tarry sometimes, you know, and a chance to wait. So uh, for some of us, I don't know, uh, again, you know, with our world with devices, I don't know how used we are to uh, just having some, some quiet time. You know, just where it's still and quiet. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking, do I... Um, Somebody's phone goes off. No, I'm just kidding, brother. It's okay. That has happened to me while I'm preaching. No, 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 no issue. But, but if we could just uh, have some quiet time, and, and, and let's just take a moment and look at that. It, wh- whatever, whatever it is, maybe a day in the life, a week in the life, is there anything that God's Holy Spirit wants to put his, his finger on? Um, are there thoughts that, that we walk in inside our head? Are there... Are, are there circles that we're allowing ourselves to fellowship with, right? Because, you, you know, we're not to yoke together with unbelief. Bad company will corrupt good character, right? We got, we got to, so there's that whole side of it. And then there's just what comes in the eye gate, what comes in the ear gate. You know, how, how are we filtering all of those things against Philippians 4.8? So why don't we feel free just to, if you want to close your eyes and bow your heads, unless you're really tired, then maybe don't close your eyes so uh, you don't go into nap mode, the spirit of rest come upon you. But let's just spend a couple of moments and just see what the Lord will speak, and then we'll close in prayer.
O Lord, our thoughts. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak. That you would lead us into truth. Lord, so often the what-ifs and the unknown. Lord, that we would be a people that would never forget that our thinking is a choice. And Lord, that you have called us to be purposeful on what we think about, what we entertain, what we let in, and what we don't. Lord, that you would help us to be people that would intentionally sow thoughts from your word, your principles, your truths, your ways, and see from an outlook that is your perspective, that is a Philippians 4.8 perspective, Lord. Lord, whether we're here in the room or watching online or listening to podcasts, Lord, wherever we have allowed wrong thinking, patterns of thinking, strongholds of thinking that has been destructive, that has brought anxiety and fear, sadness, depression, Father, we abandon that thinking now. We, we cast that thinking off in the name of Jesus. And we purpose to walk after what you say about us, to walk after your promises, to walk after your goodness. And I pray, Lord, that you would even bring healing tonight where it's needed. Lord, where there has been long, long stretches of difficulty and challenge, that you would just bring healing. Lord, that there would be a grace to cast the care upon you. And so, Lord, we know that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And Lord, we also know that you have instructed us to walk in a certain way. And so I pray by your spirit this evening, you would give us a fresh grace, Lord, a fresh anointing to walk in your way. To step out of old patterns and to step into new patterns, to train our thinking, to have <laughs> mental muscles where we are choosing what we meditate on, what we hold on to, what we allow to be implanted into our minds and our thinking. And Lord, I pray deliverance just every place where it's needed. Lord, even where there's been trauma, I pray that you would do miracles tonight. Pray that you'd come and bring mighty healing in minds, in, in thought lives, in emotions. Holy Spirit, just breathe life 
So God, we just give you praise. We, we ask that even as we would leave this place this evening, that you would remind us and you would help us to walk out new patterns, better patterns, hold on to the good, let go of what's not. So God, in all this, we just give you praise. We give you thanks. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.